good to be here with you this morning as we come together to worship the Lord. And uh, uh, we're just thankful for all the visitors. I tell you, I, I wish I could remember all their names, but I'm glad to meet. Uh, we're, we're just glad that uh, these folks are coming. I'm glad that you're here. We're glad that the Lord is here. And I uh, hope that you will go home today uh, saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's just been good. And I hope you have that that uh, attitude when you leave. And, uh, I, I, you know, would you ever would, would open your Bibles, if you would, the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. And we'll start in just a little bit. But you ever wanted to be part of something that's bigger than you? I mean, would you like to invest in something that you can't lose? Uh, to invest in something you can't lose? Would you like to know that what you do today can make a difference in all eternity? Well, uh, there is only one way for you to make a difference in all eternity, and, and that one way is to invest and never lose, is to invest in the kingdom of God. Uh, to put an investment, to put your energies into the kingdom of God, you can't go wrong. It's something that will last forever. Uh, and uh, uh, we're going to start a series of messages here on Sunday morning uh, concerning, uh, uh, centered around the, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and uh, I hope that you will be here as we go spend weeks, months in this, uh, dealing with the different sermons. Um, it includes chapter 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. And we'll, we'll look at this first sermon. Uh, it's the first sermon that Jesus preached uh, here that's recorded in the scriptures. Uh, in this sermon, we will see uh, the operating principles of the kingdom of God, uh, uh, the uh, the, the, it's a manual for kingdom living here in this present time. To know how we're supposed to live our lives uh, uh, told by Jesus. Do you, do you know what the citizens of the kingdom of God look like? Uh, do you, uh, what they believe and how they behave? Uh, we will find these answers in this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the message to this morning is the greatest sermon ever preached, is what I've called it. It's, it's the greatest sermon ever preached, not because I'm preaching it, <laughs> but because it was preached by the greatest preacher in the, that ever lived, and that was Jesus Christ. Uh, the greatest preacher that ever lived was Jesus Christ. Uh, 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 it's, uh, open your Bibles, if you see in book of Matthew, chapter 5, uh, we'll read verses 1 and 2. Stand with me if you read these scriptures. Uh, if you're physically able to stand this morning uh, as we read the, the scriptures this morning. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all that you brought together today and for the day that we celebrate and, and recognize Thanksgiving, a time where we can reflect on the blessings of our, our lives and, and how that you have uh, uh, provided for us as we focused on that in our songs, dear Lord. We just pray, dear Lord, that we'll never take for granted the blessings that you bestow on our lives. I pray, dear Lord, that we'll recognize that all that good that comes in our life comes from you, dear Lord, and you're behind it all. And, and I, I pray, dear Lord, that we'll always recognize that and thank you for all that you do for us. And I pray, dear Lord, as we open these scriptures today, that, that we will see 
what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, that we will uh, apply our hearts and our minds to doing that, to make a difference in our world today and for the world everlasting. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for all you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this passage of Scripture and think about how the Old Testament ended, it ended kind of in a scary way. In the last book of the Old Testament, in the last chapter, in the last verse, in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, And he shall turn the heart of fathers to their children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And then when you come to the New Testament, starts, it starts with blessings. It starts with blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. So we see the end of the Old Testament with a, uh, with, with a curse, and, and we start the New Testament with a blessing. Jesus has called his disciples to him and said, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. After a while, a multitude followed Jesus, and verse 1 says he taught them. We don't know how many is considered a multitude, but we must acknowledge that there, there were a lot of people that were gathered around Jesus during this time of the multitude. And, that, and this multitude was following him, was hanging on every word that Jesus would teach and preach. Then it says his disciples came unto him. So he was speaking generally to the multitude, but he was speaking specifically to the disciples. And the Sermon on the Mount was spoken to the ears of the disciples, but was heard by the entire world. Notice the Bible says, when he was set. This means that when he was seated, his disciples gathered around him. The seating posi sitting position was the normal position of a rabbi, uh, that it was a teaching with authority. When you enter a courtroom uh, today, everyone must stand as the, uh, until the judge enters the room and is seated. He is the one who has the authority in the room. He, everyone must remain quiet unless they're spoken to. In this position, our Lord is going to be speaking with authority, which demands our attention as he speaks. Well, who heard the Lord speaking that day? There was, there was many different sects of the, of the Jewish people. There was, uh, there was the Pharisees. They were the traditionalists. They, they, were, they, were, uh, they liked following tradition and making up different traditions along the way. There was the Sadducees. They were the modernists. They were the, the Essenes. Uh, they were the separatists. They separated themselves from society like monks and continued to clean themselves to remain pure. And then there was the zealots, the patriots, the loyalists. Uh, they were the fighters. Uh, it was the zealots that, that resisted Nero after he had destroyed Jerusalem in AD uh, 70. Uh, Brother uh, uh, Randall and, and, uh, uh, and Wayne and, and Aaron went to Israel last year and they went to Masada. Uh, where the zealots had taken place. 960 of these zealots had, had taken refuge there on the mountain of, uh, of Masada as, as the, the, the Roman armies had destroyed uh, Jerusalem and burned the temple to the ground. And they, they took a stand. They were the fighters. Uh, for three years, they held off a, a legion of Roman soldiers. Well, the Pharisees were wrong. Tradition doesn't bring you to God. 
We have a lot of traditions here, but understand that tradition does not bring anyone to God. Uh, tradition doesn't work. Uh, it will not guarantee you a correct relationship. You may know someone who's holding on to traditions, and, and they have this tradition and that tradition, but traditions will not make you a Christian. The Sadducees were the modernists and, and said, you've got to try something new. They thought that they could come up with a newer method to be a part of the kingdom. They were innovative and creative, and they were looking for new ways to get to God. Modernism will not bring you uh, to God. Then, then there were the Essenes, who thought that if they separated themselves and have nothing to do with the world, they would be holy enough to be accepted by God. If they don't participate with things of the world, they would be accepted. Uh, you could go into the, live in the mountain. You can uh, have no TV and no internet and no cell phone, but that will not make you one speck more righteousness, more righteous in the sight of God. Holy living is a wonderful thing, but there's no substitute to the righteousness that is only found in Jesus Christ. There, are, there were the loyalists, the zealots, who thought the kingdom of God would come because they had a plan to defeat the Romans. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, verse 20, he says that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The people, of he people hearing that message probably were shocked. I mean, the Pharisees, uh, they were the most righteous people that they knew. Uh, they, they would, they would uh, how would they ever match to what the Pharisees were done, doing? I mean, I mean they, those Pharisees, they would be praying, they would fast twice a week. They would pray these elaborate prayers all the time. Uh, they would do religious stuff all the time. And in order to get into the kingdom, they would have to exceed their righteousness? Well, Jesus wasn't saying you must have that kind of righteousness. He's saying you must have a different kind of righteousness. See, the righteousness uh, was, their righteousness was external righteousness. It was, it was all for show. It was so people could see. What Jesus said, you must have an internal righteousness. The internal righteousness only comes through asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And he comes into your heart and life, and, and that is the only kind of righteousness that will take you to heaven. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the message that John the Baptist preached when he came on the scene. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then later on, Jesus came on the scene in chapter 4, verse 23, and Jesus went about uh, uh, all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Listen, they, they were talking about a kingdom that was coming. Uh, it's at hand, it's there. We're going to see three things this morning concerning this kingdom, and I hope you'll follow along with me as we look at this uh, what is the kingdom? What, what, what it's all about to be a part of the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? How do we play a part in it? As we look, the first thing I want to notice is the coming of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? Listen, you must have three things in order to have a kingdom. You must have a king, you must have subjects, and you must have a domain. Was there ever a time when God was not the king? 
Uh, I mean, he, he was, he's the eternal king, the immortal king. And when did God's kingdom start? Well, at the creation when there was a domain, when there was a realm. And, and what were the subjects? At first it was the angels, and then it was mankind. The kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom. There is a sense that every person alive is in the kingdom of God, meaning that they are under the reign and rule of God. Listen, they aren't born unless he allows it. They, they breathe because he allows it. They, they die when he allows it. There is not one square meter of this earth that is not his. First time the word kingdom is used in the Bible was in the book of Exodus when God was leading his children out of, out of the land of, uh, of Egypt. And he says in Exodus 19 and 6, it says, And ye shall be unto me a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. When we get to the New Testament, John the Baptist is preaching about the kingdom. And Jesus is preaching about the kingdom. He commissioned the apostles to go preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. No one questioned them about the kingdom. They understood what a kingdom was. The rule and reign of the kingdom is of God. There's a sense of the kingdom of God as all that God is ruling over. And then there, and then there is in chapter 6, we'll get to in several weeks, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, and, and he's giving the, the model prayer, sometimes referred to as the Lord's Prayer. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There, there is a sense in which the kingdom is here, and there is a sense in which the kingdom is coming. When Jesus talks about the kingdom that is coming, he's talking about the thousand-year reign of Christ here on this earth. The kingdom where Jesus fulfills the Davidic covenant where he rules and reigns a thousand years from Jerusalem. So there's a sense of which the kingdom is here, and then there's a sense in which the kingdom is coming. Jesus spoke in parables in the book of Matthew and other, other gospels about the kingdom. He would say things like the kingdom of heaven is like, and he would tell a story. Some preachers have been confused about some of these parables, and they have tried to say that believers will be cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I used to be one of those preachers that thought that. They try to say that the kingdom of God were cast into outer darkness, but that's a contradiction of the word of God. These references to outer darkness, gnashing of teeth, and are references of hell. They're not the tribulation. There is absolutely no way any child of God could go to hell. When a child of God dies, they will be citizens of the kingdom of God. There was some been entered into the kingdom this week. Brother Jimmy, he's there. We're so glad that we uh, were able to minister to the family uh, of Sister Lorraine today, this week, and meet some of her family. He's in the kingdom now. He's, he's there. Um, there. There is a sense when the kingdom ha has come, and there's a sense when the kingdom is coming. The second thing I want us to see this morning is the citizens of the kingdom. Who's going to be there? Who's going to be in that kingdom? Everyone on earth walk around in his kingdom, but there is a spiritual kingdom. Everybody is not in the spiritual kingdom of God. To be born uh, into one kingdom, you just have to be born. 
To be born in the spiritual kingdom, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. The question this morning is, are you in that spiritual kingdom? Are you a part of that spiritual kingdom? Jesus has already said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot come into the kingdom of God. Notice what else Jesus said about the kingdom of God in Matthew uh, 7.21. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. If saying the name Lord doesn't get you into, into the kingdom, how do you get in? What makes you a citizen of the spiritual kingdom of God? What was Jesus saying here? Well, listen, religion will never get you into the kingdom of God. Religion will never get you into the kingdom of God. You can say, Lord, Lord. You can sing, Lord, Lord. You can pray, Lord, Lord. But if you don't know the Lord, you can't get into the kingdom of God. You've got to know him. Just because you speak the words doesn't mean you are in his, in his uh, kingdom. I believe the time has come when there's a harvest that's going to be uh, harvested uh, in people who have religion but don't have relationship. People who go to church who say they believe in God. And, and there's a lot of people who go to church and believe in God, but they don't have that personal relationship. Listen, it, it, you, can, you can be good. You can do good. You can have a whole list of things that you do, but that doesn't get you into the kingdom of God. Being good never has gotten anybody. You've got to have a, a, a righteousness that doesn't come from good works. That's what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees were trying to be good, trying to set the standard, raise the bar, and be, be, be known for their righteousness. But it was all outward righteousness. And Jesus says you have to have a righteousness that exceeds that, which is the internal righteousness. And that's the righteousness that gets you to heaven. And you can only get through that, that through Jesus Christ. Listen, we can't be good enough to go to heaven. I told that church, my class, that this morning. And um, uh, I'm not sure everybody heard that before. Uh, that's what religion teaches. You've got to be good. Listen, we can't be good enough. It's, it's, it's through accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior who made the price. It's not by our works, it's by His works that we enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's His works, not ours. Once we get saved, yes, we are saved unto good works. We should uh, follow Him and, and listen to Him and let Him guide our lives. But that, we're not doing that to get into heaven. We're, going, we're doing that because we are going to heaven and we want others to go with us. That's, that's what we're doing. People, uh, some, may, some people have gotten into uh, church through different means. Maybe they raised a hand or, or walked an aisle and said a prayer. Somewhere along the way they became part of a church. And I've, been, I've known people who were church members and who were, were not saved. They had never received Christ as their Savior. It's something we should consider. They think they're, they're okay because they go to church. They think they're okay because they were baptized. They think they're okay because they are religious. You will never be a part of the spiritual kingdom until you are born again of the Spirit of God. <laughs> Jesus made that clear as he's talking to Nicodemus one day, John chapter 3. He's talking to him, and, and verse number 3, uh, and, or verse number uh, 1 and uh, down through there it says and, I will, and, and there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus the ruler of the Jews the same came by night to Jesus by night and said unto him Rabbi 
We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles which thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, but I say unto thee, ye must be born again. That was the message of Jesus and Nicodemus, and that's the message for us today, that we cannot be born again except through a new birth, a spiritual birth, into the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit, and if we're going to be in the spiritual kingdom of God, we must have a spiritual birth by the Holy Spirit of God. That's how you get into the kingdom. It's not by doing good. It's not by accomplishments that you have mastered in your life because you put some money in the offering plate because you read your Bible or because you came to church. It's not by that. It's whether you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You put your faith in what Jesus has done. Listen, that's the only work that's going to get you to heaven is what Jesus has done. And you have to put your faith in that and that alone in order to be saved. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. Not because my dad was a preacher. Not because my mom was a righteous woman. But because one night while riding home from church as a young man, young boy, riding home from church one night on that little stretch of highway, of Highway 17 between Wachula and Arcadia. Some of you don't know where it is. Some of you do. It's, it's here in Florida. <laughs> that little, it was just two-lane road back then, but it's four lanes now. One night, as I was riding home from church, and I realized I needed to be saved, I looked up into heaven in the dark sky. I looked towards God, and I just said, Lord, please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and save me. He did on that highway somewhere along the way. I don't know where we were at. We were out right in the back seat. And as a child, I accepted Jesus Christ, and I became a part of the kingdom of God. I became, I became a spirit, uh, I've been a citizen of the spiritual kingdom of God from that night until today. Some, some may be saved today, I, I, I thought that Satan was the prince and the power of the air. I thought Satan was the ruler of this world. How can this world be ruled by Satan and still be the kingdom of God? Well, Satan has nothing except that God give it to him. He has no power unless God extends him. Satan is the god of this world, little g. But God is still the king of this world. You wish to be in the kingdom? Luke chapter 17 and verse 21 says, Neither shall, shall they say, Lo here or lo there, but behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. It's in your heart. It's a spiritual kingdom. Jesus told the Jews one day that he would take the kingdom from the Jews and give it to the Gentiles. How do you get into the kingdom? You have to be born again. I, I hope today to come to this, to Calvary Baptist Church today, that you will examine your heart and know, have you entered into the kingdom of God today? Have you been born again? I'm not asking you, have you been to church? I'm not asking you, have you been good? I'm not asking you, if, if you've given to the church or you, you've read your Bible. Uh, I'm not asking you all those questions. I'm asking you, have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you been saved? 
That's the question that I ask you today. That's what it takes to be in the kingdom of, uh, of, of heaven, kingdom of God. Then there's the characteristics of the kingdom. The last, the third point, and, and this will be my final point. It says, what is the kingdom like? If the Bible is the manual for king, the kingdom living, how should we live? If, if the Sermon on the Mount is the guide for the kingdom, how should we live? How should we think? How should we, uh, what should we say and what should we do? What should our values be? How do citizens of the kingdom of God live? What do they do? Jesus gives us nine Beatitudes that we'll start on next week, and the Lord willing. The first thing he teaches is that people in the kingdom of God are absolutely broke. Poor when it comes to God. We must understand that we bring nothing to the table in the kingdom of God. Listen, God, don't, don't get the idea that God is, it, it should be happy to have you. No, no, it's the, the other way around. You should be happy to have God. You don't bring anything to the table. And he says in verse number three, talks about being poor in the spirit. It's not that we have little, but that we have absolutely nothing. When we recognize our poverty before God, our spiritual poverty before God and call on him, then we are born into the kingdom of God. There's, there's something else to notice about the citizens of the kingdom of God. They, they were more concerned, uh, they are more concerned about the spiritual than they are the external. You'll see in verse in chapters 5 and 6 that the Pharisees love to pray. They they, they standing on the streets. Uh, and, and you, you might say, well, uh, does, does that mean we shouldn't pray in public? No, that's not what it means. It means they prayed in the streets so that they could be seen of men. Their purpose of praying with the streets is so they can get out of their crowd. Everybody can see them. They gave their alms, not because they loved the poor. They didn't give alms just when the opportunity presented itself. They gave their alms to the poor when somebody would see them. They would fast. Not to be commend themselves to God, not to be close to God, but they would fast with their faces disfigured so that others would see the agony and believe that they were spiritual or godly. Citizens of the kingdom of God are not concerned about what everybody around them thinks about them. They're concerned with what God thinks of them. They don't do what they do so that people will see them do it. They do what they do because they want to please God. And, and, and it's not about themselves. It's about God. That's what, what the kingdom of God, citizens of the kingdom of God uh, do. The citizens of the kingdom of God are not concerned about trying to oppress other people with their supposed spirituality. Instead, Christians or citizens have their faces focused on God. And everything they do is an expression on that focus on God. They, they do things because they love Him. Not to receive recognition, not to receive gratitude or a pat on the back, or not to be seen of their great works, but because they want to serve God. And we're going to see in chapter 6, citizens of the kingdom of God won't worry. Here's why. We, we know that our Father in Heaven knows what we need before we ask. He knows all about what's going on, uh, on in our lives. So, we, so why worry? And as Jesus anticipates that we're going to worry anyway, 
He asked the question, have you thought about the birds? Have you thought about the birds? Uh, he, he, said, he says, God feeds the birds. And then he asked the question, aren't you more valuable than the birds? All the different kinds. We might, we might still want to worry. And then he says, he says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Listen, this was not one of the lilies that was grown in the greenhouse somewhere. Special care, special lighting, special temperature, special fertilizer, special soil. No, these were, these were a wild flower that grew in the desert of Israel. Unattended by man, uncared for by human beings. The shepherd, when he was in the fields, would see those lilies growing in the rocks and pluck it and and start a fire with it for a cold night ahead. Well, then in chapter 7, citizens of the kingdom of God don't do what they do to be seen of men, but when they do, but they do things to please God. Citizens of the kingdom of God don't worry because they know who their father is. Their father is the king. Then in chapter 7, we'll find that citizens of the kingdom of God don't judge other citizens. Can't wait to get to that one. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. We have a judge, and it's not you. It's not you. Uh, then the last thing is citizens of the kingdom of God build on the right foundation. They build on the right foundation. Jesus will make the statement, whoever will hear these sayings of mine and does them, we will see that hearing is not enough. Many people who are hearing today, but that's not enough. Hearing and doing is what he requires. Hearing and doing. He said the storms are going to come. If you're not built on the right foundation, when the winds come, when the rain comes, your house will fall. Your life will be in chaos. Your life will be destroyed. Whoever hears the saying and does them, he will be like a man that dug down and laid a good foundation. When the rains of life come and the storms of life come, the winds blow, that man's house will stand firm because it was built on the right foundation. It is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus finished his sermon on the mount, the people that heard him said this about him. When Jesus had ended these sayings, the, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority. He did refer to someone else in his sermon. He was, it, it was, uh, he, he was and is the authority of his kingdom. You can be in that kingdom. You can be in that kingdom just like Jesus told Nicodemus. He could be in that kingdom. Just like I'm in that kingdom and just like others here in the services today are in that kingdom. Jesus is our king. Because we have asked him to save us from our sins. We've asked him for forgiveness. 
we have been born into the kingdom of God, not by natural birth, but by a spiritual birth. Without that new birth, you will never see the kingdom of God. Today, you can experience it if you put your faith and trust in Him today. As we begin this series of the kingdom, it's important that we think about whether we are in the kingdom or not. You're here today, uh, people coming from different, different areas, from different parts of the country, from different backgrounds, people, uh, different kinds of people. And I ask you the question, are you in the kingdom of God? Not the physical kingdom, but the spiritual kingdom. Is there a time in your life that you can remember some time in your past where you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? You asked for forgiveness of your sins, and you became a child of God. Can you remember that time? Listen, if you cannot, you're not in the kingdom. We're going to have an invitation here in just a few minutes. As we have that invitation... You're invited to come and be invited and shown how to be in that kingdom. It's not by what you do. It's not by what, how good you are. It's by confessing that we aren't good. We have sins in our life. Confessing that to God and asking for forgiveness. That's what it takes to be in, in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God. Are you in that kingdom? I hope we are. We start this journey about what it's like to be in the kingdom um, these next weeks to come, that we need to make sure, first of all, that we are in that kingdom. Think about whether you are a part of that kingdom. You can be a part of that kingdom today. All you must do is just confess your sins to him, ask him to forgive you your sins, trusting that what he did on the cross, when he died on the cross, he died in your place. He, made the price, he paid the price so that you don't have to. Listen, you don't want to pay the price. You don't want to pay the price yourself. Because the only way that you can pay the price for your sin is, is, is to spend an eternity in hell. You don't want to go there. You don't want to have that part. You don't want to have that part. Put your, heart, put your future in the hands of Jesus who knows how to keep you. He knows what's best for you. And he will guide you throughout your life. And every step of the way, be a part of the kingdom as we, as we bow your heads for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, for those that you brought together today. Dear Lord, thank you for the time we have to celebrate the blessings that uh, you have um, bestowed upon us, dear Lord, the things that you do for us. And dear Lord, we're so thankful for all that you do for us. Most of all, dear Lord, we're thankful that you sent your son 2,000 years ago to die on the cross, to pay the price that we couldn't pay, pay a debt that he didn't know so that we might have everlasting life, so that we might be a part of your kingdom. Dear Lord, I pray if there's someone here today who's never received Jesus Christ as their Savior, never been saved, that they might make that decision today, that they might be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of what you have prepared for us as we look forward to the days ahead, as we come into your kingdom, uh, in, in a, your eternal kingdom, dear Lord, I pray that you would just uh, just impress upon that person's heart that they need to make that decision and make it soon. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.